Hey guys, it's me, Lisa Lowry, one of your hosts of the Best Friends Fancast. Your other host, Rafael Marquez Castaneda, and I have been a little bit busy. So you may or may not have noticed last week we did not put out an episode. I know at least one person noticed. Our schedules have just been a little crazy, and they were going to get crazy again this week. So to make up for it, we decided to dump a double episode on our good pal Jay Inslee. So he took this and ran. He's done something special for you guys. I'm very excited about it. Before I talk about that, I do want to send out some shout outs to Brittany. I love you. I miss you. I'm going to see you soon. Uh, to little Rafi, I miss talking with you. It really sucks when uh, we don't record because I miss talking with my pal. And to Superfan Megan and Trice, I was supposed to get together with the two of you and my life has been a little crazy lately. So I missed uh, the hangout and I'm really bummed about that. Also shout out to Megan for it was your birthday. Uh, shout out to Rachel Phillips. It was her birthday and to Kelly Lundquist. Happy birthday to the three of you. Shout out to Dr. Jen. Uh, she's keeping me on my toes. <laughs> she knows what that means. Also shout out to Lauren Kelly. Always love the texting back and forth each week. Shout out to Leanne, Ulysses, Tamara, Jen Stark, Lee Bruns, Scott Marquez. Also, shout out to Jay Inslee for covering for us and doing something, going above and beyond making something special. All right. I think that's enough for me. I am so excited for you guys to hear the show. This is it, just a really special episode. And I thank you, Jay Inslee, so much for putting in all the work and the time and the effort and making it what it is. I miss you all, and I'll talk to you soon. BFFs, you're the fucking best. Now on with the show. Sup, party animals? Whoops, wrong show. I mean BFFers. This week on episode 164, we're covering four shows. Beth stealing didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Greg nibbles. Tony gets ready. Jeff says goodbye. Christina Kazmik is a cheerleader for moms. And Allison messes up. Tony needs a name. David does true crime. Roll the tape. And welcome to another exciting Thursday show of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. It's a sad show because it is Jeff's last show. I will remember you. Will you? Welcome to the Best Friends Fancast, an Allison Rosen fan podcast. I'm your host this week, Jay Inslee. I was so impressed with Trice's solo performance, I wanted to give it a go. Obviously, Lisa is really scraping the bottom of the barrel asking me to host. But the reality is, welcome to my shit show. But first, let's cover shoutouts 
and callouts. Huge shout out to Tamara Holler, Ulysses Atkins, and Nina Hartley. These guys are always really supportive. Some honorable mentions, Miss Mushroom, Lauren, and last but not least, my two brothers from another mother, Ray and Lee. Guys always crack me up and are super cool. I've got some real callouts here, and really I'm going to break it down into two sets, aka Quiet Raffi and Lisa Loudly. During some of these shows when I'm listening, I end up cranking up the volume of my radio to like 110 decibels just to hear Rafster whisper some real comedy gold. And the next thing I know, my speakers are just blown out because Lisa is cracking up and I end up driving off the road and I die. Well, I've obviously gotten better. Anyway, is it too much to ask for you guys to freaking fix the volume? Raphael, just do me a favor. Take your mic when you record and just like add some amperage to it. Just just turn it up a little bit or kind of like Jeff Fox talking to Greg, get in front of the freaking microphone. And Lisa, don't get me wrong. Your laughs, they crack me up. It's kind of like listening to, you know, when children really start giggling because you're tickling them. That's kind of like Lisa's laugh. However, it's so ear piercing. So all I'm saying is the next time you guys record together, just match the volumes up. My last call out is for the following folks. Jeff Fox, Greg Heller, Hashtag Al, and Jenna Kim Jones. You all know what you did. You all know what you did. In all seriousness, I've tried to put together a fun show. And like my A-R-I-Y-N-B-F and couple friends Photoshop memes, I've peppered in some surprises. So hang in there. The Monday, June 10th episode, Beth Sterling didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I was not familiar with Beth or her comedy before this episode. Here's a great example of Allison's Monday shows where you find an interesting person that normally you might not be exposed to. They talked about being more organized or just winging it when you're preparing for something like a comedy set or how I looked at it when you're doing a presentation for work. I'm the sort of person who can go both ways. Hands down, being organized, I feel, always yields the best product. Just now, as I'm recording this podcast, I only have a few days to get it done. However, it's not just something I want to wing because I need it to be listenable. I don't want it to be complete garbage. Although the show itself might still suck, at least I did my research and tried to organize a good show. And if I get one person's feedback that says, hey, I like the show, well, then it was worth it for me to spend more time to organize something. So Beth talked about performing a joke over and over again, and she kind of put herself into a cruise control, if you will. And she felt that over time it lost its funniness because when she was first honing that joke, maybe it had that natural funny, I don't know what I'm trying to say. She felt it lost its funniness. I think much like anything, when you get into a rut, stuff that was previously fun loses its luster. I can't stand eating the same stuff for lunch or dinner every day. And I think this has caused some friction, although it's healthy friction, mind you, between my wife and I. I've come home from work and she's made dinner and I say something like, oh God, I am not in the mood for this tonight. But never once did I tell her previously that the last time we ate this thing, pasta for example, like we're having pasta too much. I think you really owe it to yourself to snap out of a rut if you're able to even see it so that things don't lose being fun. I'm often impressed by the way that Allison titles her shows, and this one is so on point. In today's world, it is next to impossible to not offend anyone. If you're on the left or you're on the right of a topic, society or media seems to support you voicing your concern. You must be the champion for your feelings at that moment, even if it costs offending someone else in the process. Is it a bad thing? Not in cases of like sexual or race discrimination, child or animal abuse, or other more serious topics. 
But where is the line? And I think that's what Beth was trying to get into. It's a hard one. Over this last hour, I've written two rebuttals on how to cover this topic, and both of them came off more like me sounding like a bigger asshole. The point I was trying to make is, when some of us, comedians, myself, or any one of you, offend another person, it's not always from a place of anger or ignorance. Sometimes it's just from a place of being exhausted or pointing out that there is a higher priority issue in the world. Or even, you're just not thinking about that topic so intensely in the moment. And I'm sorry that you might think that one thing is more important than I do at that moment, but it's never my or a comedian's intention to undermine your feelings on the topic. So get over it. In the end, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, other than, just everyone, calm the f*** down. Overall, to me, Beth sounded like unfortunately, yet another typical tortured comedian. And if it wasn't for Allison driving the interview, which by the way, that show was another great example of how good Allison is at interviewing somebody, I'm not sure I would have hung in there as long as I did. I checked out some of Beth's comedy. She's just not a comedian that resonates with me. What do you guys think? So, so good to be here. I was on a date with a man, believe it or not. And, uh, and I burped very loudly uh, because he took me to a diner and I was acting accordingly. Um, I felt great about what I did uh, because burping is highly lauded in my family. And he looked at me, and this is very true, and he said, Jesus Christ, how did your mother raise you? And I looked at him and I said, alone. <laughs> All by herself. So there were three of us. She had her hands full. I didn't learn everything I was supposed to. Yeah. My mom raised me and my two older sisters in Ohio, and my mom still lives at home. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> my parents are divorced, obviously. And when my mom uh, divorced my dad, she kept the wedding ring. And recently she tried to give me that wedding ring. And I was just like, this is haunted. Um, what am I going to do with this haunted, haunted ring? So when my dad left, he moved down to Orlando, Florida to be an actor. That's not where you go. <laughs> As this is our solo episode, and I'm filling in for Lisa and Raph, um, I had to really dig deep and pull in a guest who's really worth their salt. Let me welcome you, guest. Uh, I believe this is your first best friend's fancast episode welcome thank you i'm happy to be here i'm sorry that my publicist and my people gave you so much trouble trying to schedule with me but i appreciate all the effort that you put into it and we made it work yeah yeah you definitely you were a really hard get but i think um yeah. we're gonna really deliver we're gonna talk uh, um this episode about the thursday show from june 13th it was labeled Greg's nibbles, Tony gets ready, and Jeff says goodbye. So obviously, if people don't recognize your voice, I am talking to Colonel Jeff Fox, who is amazing, who we're all huge fans of. And first and foremost, Jeff, I think from all the fans, we love and adore you. Well, thank you. Uh, you guys are the best. And uh, it's, it's always fun meeting all the fans and all the support that I get and the show gets from the fans. And it's just really fun to interact with you guys and just 
say, oh, these these are my people. We're each other's people. We all kind of get the same thing. So that's kind of fun. One of the things I'll, I laugh at is many of us have, uh, because we do this podcast, we all have a lot of equipment and mm-hmm. many of us have followed your suggestions. I know Lisa has, um, even uh-huh. I have. And uh, it's funny, we really appreciate that because you you do your best to make us sound better, you know, versus having a, a consumer microphone or whatever. At least we've got a little bit nicer of a setup. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I had a, a new client recently was all interested in spending a bunch of money on pretty expensive professional equipment. And he's called me up and said, I just want to make sure I'm not being a dummy and making a mistake. And I said, no, that's not the mistake. The mistake is buying the $15 microphone and expecting it to be awesome. You know, spend as much money as you are able to. And, uh, you know, it, it pays for itself. All right. We started with, um, Allison said we were her little dippy eggs. And I know that that threw you off and that threw me off a little bit too, because I know dippy eggs and soldiers, which is more of a UK thing. Um, I right. believe it does have a representation around the uh, Pennsylvania area. Did, did you remember that or anything? I didn't. I mean, truthfully, I didn't even quite understand. It didn't register in my mind that it was dippy, D-I-P-P-Y eggs. So it was dippy eggs. And I thought, what is dippy egg? I it just it didn't ring a bell. I didn't I couldn't verbally picture what they were what she was saying. Um, but also, I have no recollection of ever hearing the term dippy eggs, which is, you know, uh, partly, you know, you can chalk that up to user error. But I, I really honestly have no recollection of it. When I did a quick search for it, it seemed like it was a little bit more of a Pittsburgh thing. And um, but I did ask my sister and she said, oh, for sure. She knew what dippy eggs were. But. She went to college in the middle of in central Pennsylvania, so maybe that's where she heard it. But yeah, it seems to be a not uncommon thing, but I I have no recollection of it. And if people don't know a lot about Pennsylvania, really, Philadelphia being on the eastmost side and Pittsburgh on the westernmost side, they're worlds apart, right? Yes. I mean, it's a probably five hour drive. So. Um, and culturally, I mean, it's it's an old state and they're both old cities. So there are very different cultural things. There's different accents. There are different foods. There's different slang. So people in Pittsburgh, well, first of all, people in Pittsburgh say Pittsburgh, like P-I-X-B-U-R-G. But they say gum bands for rubber bands. Really? Uh, yep. They say, I think they say sack for grocery bag. And I, I'm not sure if they say pop for soda. I might be getting that confused. I I was talking to somebody from Chicago about that recently. In Chicago, they say pop, which surprised me. It, it's weird. And it, and it seems to be Midwest is always pop. Mm-hmm. But I say East Coast, so I always say soda. And right. I think West Coast is soda too, right? Yes. Yeah. I think pop is a central thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of things that are sort of indigenous to Philadelphia that really aren't indigenous to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, there are accents and different expressions that... Um, yeah, they're just they're different from city to city. So Dippy Eggs and Allison, you know, grabbed the rest of the le- the list from Lisa. And again, it, it was it's very fitting that Lisa Lowry was able to pick the carbohydrate because then we somehow got over to shoe fly pie, which right. I'm a big foodie guy and I know a lot of foods. I know mincemeat pie and so on and so forth. I had never heard of shoe fly pie, but you were really familiar with it. Yeah, I've I've a recipe for it. I've made it at home from scratch. It's a very Pennsylvania thing. I'm not sure where it's common outside of there but yeah that's definitely a pennsylvanian pennsylvania dutch thing and it's a you said it's like a, a molasses based pie it has molasses and sugar and that's that's about it it's it's very molasses tasting in a good way 
There's actually a song that we would actually <gasps> sing know, in elementary school. I know this song. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Sing it. Shoe, 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 shoe fly, don't bother me. No. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Fly pie and apple pan dowdy makes your stomach say hi and your something say howdy. Yeah, that's one I know. One of the things that I've recently discovered, um, my wife's family are from the Trenton, Hamilton, New Jersey area, so close to Philadelphia. We spend a little bit of time around there. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, her family introduced me to this amazing thing called Scrapple. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we've talked about it and I don't think a lot of people know what it is, but basically it's like it's pork scraps and trimmings that have been put together with cornmeal and wheat flour and spices. And the best way to describe it is it comes in like a a gelatinous chunk of loaf. Yeah, it's kind of a brick. Right. And do you remember what color it looks like when you buy it? Oh, it's a it's a grayish. (laughs) It's a very attractive shade of grayish brown. It is this amazing, Chris. But I have had it pan fried with mm-hmm. maple syrup and i'm it's to die for yeah it's awesome it is really the greatest yeah i actually have family uh my mom's side of the family is from trenton hamilton area so um a lot of scrapple over there a lot of pork roll over there yeah yeah my grandfather used to buy me scrapple all the time and we used to go to a diner in trenton or outside of trenton around trenton called the golden dawn and it's still there, and it's still exactly the same. And they serve a good scrapple there. It's a nice, big, thick slice of it. Uh, well, we've got we've got some fans that live in, um, I think, Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And the next time I'm down in the Trenton area, I'm going to give her a call, and we have to find this diner and, and just check it out. Oh yeah, so it's really great. looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's scrapple. It seems like the distant co- cousin of haggis. Um, from Scotland, and it seems like that's mm. just those two need to be put in a plate together. Yeah, there was a brand of Scrapple back in the day. I don't remember which brand it was, but so the joke with Scrapple is that it's just whatever's left over on the <laughs> right. killing floor, and they just grind it up and make it into um, Scrapple. But there was one that said their slogan was, and I have a cat yelling here just to be completely on brand. <laughs> uh, the slogan of it was. Everything except the squeal. Oh, God. It Meaning is, all parts were used. So, I mean, you're basically saying that it's not vegetarian at all. Not vegetarian at all. And, you know, the, the joke was that it's all hog anuses. But <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a little bit more pure than that. I'm sure it's the leftover effluvia that they can't use for anything else. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can put pig butts in there or anything like that. Right. Yeah, you really don't want to. You, and you don't want to look up how they make Scrapple because it'll just uh, terrible things will, will come up. Yeah. Speaking of Scrapple, and we had a long conversation about Sizzler. And I, I can't remember. Have you ever been to a Sizzler? Oh, sure. Yep. So I've, I had been to a Sizzler as well um, once, as a matter of fact, in San Diego 10 years ago. And just... You know, it was so funny that Daniel and, and Allison went there because it's like it doesn't really strike me as a place that, um, you know, parents goes would on go. Purpose. <laughs> yes, very politely put. Anyone would go on purpose. But it was really it was funny. And the story of um, Elliot with the meatball, that was like the best part of the story. Him holding yeah. a meatball in his hand because it was just so cute. The picture yeah, of a kid that doing that. Yeah, I think the last time I was at a Sizzler was I'm, I mean, I may have been at one since, but I. I specifically remember going to a Sizzler when I was on tour with the Dead Milkmen, and we had a joke where every time we would stop for dinner, we would see 
what somebody could steal from the restaurant. And I managed to steal from the Sizzler and God only knows where one of the, the vases with a flower on it on the table. And I managed to and you had to pilfer it without anybody noticing, like even the people in the band. And I somehow got it out of there and we drove around for the rest of the tour with this flower vase in the van. So I'm kind of shocked. I would never you would never strike me as somebody who would fall from those. Hey, take that salt shaker, take that glass. But uh, it was it was all young shenanigans. <laughs> so this was a couple of weeks ago. That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't pilfer really anymore. But yeah, this was. Bored on the road shenanigans. You have to do something to keep yourself amused. So. This has kind of been a fan controversy. Um, on your first Patreon episode that you do with Allison, we had we had the question about how many cats do you have? And, and I know that we have a very left and right conversation about cats and dogs. Right now I'm pro-cat side because you, you're on this call and, and I would say nothing else. But the question always comes up is, Jeff, really, how many cats do you have? Right now, I only have one. Oh. But the 13 black cats thing was a thing that I said that I thought was obviously so preposterous that nobody would believe me, <laughs> and then people believed me. So I try not to do too much of that stuff anymore. Cause I, it was it was really funny because I think I think you're right. I think um, it was such an innocent, fun joke that I think you know people are like no, we th- we believe you. I think a lot of us hold a lot of trust. You're kind of like. You're kind of like that father figure, I guess, um, to a lot of the fans. And we're like, whatever you say, we're going to believe. Yeah. So he said 13. We're thinking, oh, my gosh, he's a hoarder. I don't know what yeah. just happened. I've, I, I've had more than one cat, but right now I just have one. Um, well, we appreciate hearing the cat in the background. So that's that's amazing. Yeah. He when I talk on the phone or talk like this, he he's a pretty verbose cat to begin with. But when I'm talking, he starts to yell a lot. And I don't know if he's upset because he thinks me talking this way is being upset or yelling at him or if he thinks I'm talking to him and he's just talking back. But yeah, whenever I talk on the phone, he, he starts chiming in. And by the way, I, I, I want to point out that in the cats versus dogs controversy, yes. to clarify, uh, I find myself, I find people trying to draw me into arguments on Twitter about the cat versus dog controversy. And I want to clarify that my position was and has been and always is not that I have anything against dogs or not that I'm defending cats. My entire point was if I talked about dogs on Allison's show, the way that they talk about cats, people would lose their minds. (laughs) That was my only point. I was never, I'm not pro dog. I'm pro cat. I mean, I'm pro cat, but um, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not taking a side on dogs versus cats. You're Switzerland. Yeah, I'm Switzerland. It's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't the point at all. I didn't realize, did you get, did you get a lot of slack? Did people give you a little pressure? Well, it just, yeah, people wanted to turn it into the dogs are better than cats. Cats are better than dogs argument and, and drag me onto one side or the other. And I just, you know, again, it's it's just a little joke. I throw, yeah, I know I throw my hands in the air and think, you know, people, there's a lot more important things going on in this world. And uh, as long as, as long as, Basically, you can go to a shelter and get either or. They're both going to make your life more complete. I mean, you can't argue with that. Yeah, exactly. During the last show, which, Greg was there, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you something. There was mm-hmm. a point where Greg had recorded a message from you. Right. You could hear him kind of say, don't, don't play the message. I, I'm right here. I'm right here. And I think every one of us as a fan was like, yeah, you got to play the message. It will be hilarious. <laughs> and somehow you masterfully, because I'm assuming 
it was you playing the drops right at at that right okay mm-hmm. so you just sat there and and rolled it off and i was like oh it was so good and i just pictured greg being so uncomfortable and just squirming around and i love greg i love you all so much what what was the look on greg's face when he was pl- when you were playing his message back to you well he he was squirming a little bit but <laughs> um but you know ultimately he likes it he he's happy to embarrass himself and um you know say funny things and squirm so uh, I think he has fun doing things like that, and it makes for good podcasting too. So it does, um, yeah. And I mean, for especially for Greg, I love Greg too. But like, you know, if if he requested me not to play something because it was going to be embarrassing for him, like that's that's almost guaranteeing that I will play it because <laughs> <laughs> I just love I just love pulling his leg. You know, that is definitely I think very early on um, for me personally when when Greg started the show and you were there, and I know there was an incident with. Uh, like he super glued a microphone stand and I remember thinking to myself early on, I'm like, boy, boy, Jeff's really being a hard ass about this microphone. But what I figured out was you just, you like poking him as much as I think he liked being around. And I, and that's what made the team of, of Jenna and Al and Daniel and you and Allison and Greg so special because it was not just like a podcast, but it was like a, a bunch of really good friends or brothers and sisters that had good fun with each other. And that's why that last show was really, really good with, with the the whole, the whole Greg drop basically. Right. Well, the, to defend my, uh, hot gluing the mic clip, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a producer and an engineer, my job is to primarily get the show recorded well. And he, he was mauling the microphone and, uh, would not stop. So I took, uh, extreme measures. Um, and you know, that's, that's my job. You know, and I, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you too. Um, for again, being somebody with my background in radio, not only do you participate in the show and, and you, you know, you're part of the talent, if you will, but when I listen to anything you work on, if it's Larry Miller's show, if it's Alanis Morissette's podcast, every one of the shows that you produce always sound so good. There's no hissing or there's nothing amateur about it. Thank you. And I know you really take pride. And I think us as longtime fans, I was going back recently to the the biscuit drop, which was in like 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we now we know how focused you are definitely on the quality of work you do. So it's, it's totally makes sense to us. And, uh, and quite frankly, I love that you push so hard on making those things sound good. Well, thank you. It's, it's really tricky. I mean, from an engineering standpoint, that show has, I think five microphones open, which is really tough under any circumstances. But but yeah, when Greg and Daniel start grabbing microphones and stuff and manhandling microphones, it makes it a little tricky. Well, not to mention you're in the middle of a dining room, right? So the acoustics are not going to be great in a dining room. And now you've moved over to like a a small office and then you're moving over to a small shed. And yeah, well, you know, there's not much we can do about it um, in terms of it's the moves are going to happen. And then we just do the best we can to make the room sound as good as possible. And yeah, they're working on putting some more sound deadening in the the studio space, but uh, that's fine. It's all part of the job. You know, this makes me think of other questions, you know, uh, doing PodFest and actually moving around, doing live shows with Allison, and maybe I'm the only one that thinks this is interesting, but when you're dealing with those live events, when you walk in, is the setup perfect? You know, do you walk in and just say, okay, here's my, here's my Zoom, I want to plug it in, and I'll put my board on there, my computer, and I'm ready to go? Or, I mean, how much work are you doing before the show actually starts? Yeah, the live shows are challenging just in that 
you are walking into an environment and you're not sure what you're going to get. So you can get a sound. There's a really good sound system. Everything's mic'd really well, and you know you're going to get a good signal getting sent to your recorder or the house guy is really good at what he's doing and he's going to be able to record it. But truthfully, the, the issue is that you there's when I'm on the stage for a live show, there's no way for me to typically monitor the actual recording. So I have to run around before the show and do a bunch of test recordings and listen back to it and make sure that everything's good. So, you know, ultimately, I need to get a good recording onto the digital recorder. And if I don't get that, then were hosed so um you know when we did bumper shoot the the mixing board was up in the back of the auditorium mm-hmm. and so at the beginning of the show as the show is about to start and the crowds there i was running up and down these stairs going back and forth you know getting ready for the show to start and then monitoring the recording to make sure that it was going okay um so yeah you're you're flying blind a little bit at a certain point but you know you just do everything you can to make sure that you're going to get a good recording but I mean, part of me, I'm just sweating through my clothes until I review the recording and go, okay, we got it. (laughs) Which, which is crazy because I mean, it it always sounds out really good. Now, do you, so here's maybe a trade secret when you're doing those live shows, do you do double recordings? Like, are you recording on two devices? It really depends. So I do, if possible, I always want a backup recording just in case something goes south with one of them. But you know, again, with Bumbershoot, I just show up there. You know, there's some communication ahead of time with the tech people, the house people. But I'll typically show up there with a backpack full of everything, you know, two digital recorders, every cable and, da- and adapter I can think of. And as much pre-planning as we do, I, I essentially show up there and assume that we're starting from scratch and I have to figure everything out and check everything from the beginning. Um, like I said, just because if the recording goes south, then we're really in trouble. So, right. um yeah, I'd like to do two recordings if I can, um, always. But you know, you just never know if you're going to get one feed out of the board or two feeds out of the board. It's just something you have to figure out. A lot of shop conversation, but I, I do definitely find this interesting because I like to hear the the behind the scenes stuff. So I've worked in IT for a long time, and I think I'm pretty efficient with doing Google searches. As a matter of fact, it's what makes me seem really smart. Can you explain a little bit about when when Allison when you're sitting down with the Thursday gang and you know Allison will throw a question at you like hey Jeff look this up on the internet I'm always amazed on how your setup is where you're able to google something so quickly within a few seconds and make it seem that you you know you've read the article and you know what to say is there a trick or how do you how do you go about doing that I typically have a browser window open in front of me as just part of my work product. And then I think really the trick of it is that having worked with Allison for so long, I can sort of tell when she's going to be curious about something. And I've already at least partially started to do the search before she even asks me for it. So I would say eight times out of 10, when she asks me for something, I've already looked it up before she has requested it. That is so good. And that is a great answer. I mean, that is intuition of working with her for so long. You've kind of picked up on it. Yeah, I can tell when there's there's sort of a general head scratching going on and there's going to be a, a, a it's going to be sent to me for clarification. So the di- so really it comes out of the dynamic of seeing them and sitting with everyone and and looking for those those I guess that look. And that's that's amazing. And Yeah, I mean truthfully when I first started with Allison, I I didn't know anything. So I just I would never I didn't know when she was about to do a commercial. I didn't know when she was about to do JMOs. I didn't know when she was about to do iTunes comment of the week or anything. And we actually had a little system at first where 
she had written on index cards like JMO and she would hold it up to let me know that it was oh, coming. That's funny. Um, but I actually picked it up pretty quickly. They were you, just working together. I'd sort of see, uh, I mean, every now and then she'll surprise me, but I have all of the drops for the different segments in my main number one drop playback board. So I can get to those pretty quickly. So she doesn't surprise me too much, but um, yeah, I mean, just after working together for five years or whatever, I, I can sort of see them coming. Now, speaking of drops, I have been a long time Howard Stern fan. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the gold standard is Fred Norris and his Howard Stern drops. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to argue that your drop timing is better, in my opinion, than Fred from the Howard Stern show. There are your some of your Daniel drops are so good. And, I, and even me, long time listener, n- understands the process. You will drop a Daniel drop. And I'll go, is he, is he there or is he, what? I'm so confused. Like you must know how good you are, right? No, I, I, I don't know how good I am at anything at all, especially this. I was thinking about it when Tony was, when I was talking to Tony about uh, switching over Mm -hmm. that, you know, I didn't know how, how much he wanted to keep doing drops or whatever. And I just thought, okay, well, you know, I was trying to think, well, what, what can I tell him? I mean, he knows what he's doing, so I didn't want to be pedantic, but I thought, well, okay, what, what do I know about what I do in my work process that he might find useful or might have a question about? And, you know, I just gave him all the drops because I just thought, well, okay, here they are, and you should have them to do whatever. But uh, I, I, I thought about the drop skill, and I thought, yeah, you know, I've actually kind of gotten good at them. And I, and I thought, wow, what, this is such a weird skill, and it's just not anything I thought I would do and it's not really transferable. I don't know how I could tell somebody else to do them, but um, thank you for the compliment. But I would say, yeah, I think Fred Norris is the gold standard. And I'm, I've said on, I think on the Allison one-on-one shows that I'm a longtime Howard Stern listener. So I would say 99% of what I've learned was from listening to Fred Norris. Yeah. I mean, I listened from no joke back when he was on WNBC on AM. Mm-hmm. So used to be able to pick that up at the Jersey Shore and in Philly. So I was I was a long time listener. Yeah, I mean that's uh that's going back. I so I, I only listened when we started in Boston and that was when I was in high school and that was a long time ago. Yeah. I'm also amazed on your music library because every once in a while a song will come up and you have grabbed that song. Um, this last episode that you were on, you were talking about Jimmy Buffett's, you know, Margaritaville, which is a standard library to have available to you. Do you have a, is it a, an audio service you're using or do you just have a cache of MP3s hanging out on your machine? I do have a cache of MP3s on my machine, but they're mostly sound effects. But for that, for example, that I just found a karaoke version on YouTube. And oh, so, so funny. you know, it sounds like I bring it up really fast. And I, I think I bring it up relatively fast. But, um, you know, I sort of had the idea to to do it before Greg was done mm-hmm. talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able to look it up and find the song and be able to have it ready to go and say, hey, Greg, let's let's do a karaoke version. Nibbling on the spongiest cake. You've been doing it for so long. You're really, really good. It's almost muscle memory. And as a as a listener, you know, for us and in all the shows you work on, it's it's just it just seems instant. It seems like it's right there. You have it. You're ready to go. You know. So yeah, it's it's really weird. I was thinking also about how the drops came about, and I I'm sure there were a bunch of shows early on where I didn't do drops at all. And I think I had a conversation with Allison of, hey, should we try doing some kind of drops or something like that? And my recollection is that they were really terrible at first, at least the very first ones I did. I, I think I found some, 
I was just going to play drops from movies and things that I thought were funny interjections. And I, I think I played some big Lebowski drops or something. I, I just remember it not going well, like me kind of crowbarring it in and just it not being funny or well done. And yeah, you know, all that just sort of developed organically. Um, and uh, yeah, it sort of grew out of that and turned into its own monster. Well, like they say, even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> they, do, they do say that, don't they? So if I, <laughs> I do enough podcasts, I'm bound to get something right. <laughs> and, and never suggest that it might be hormonal. Right. Wait, <laughs> wait until the hormonal inflammation comes down. No, this is all authentic emotion. <laughs> this is totally real. My dad once ate my sister's biscuit on her period <laughs> And I witnessed Yikes. the worst fight. <laughs> Jeff, there's collab. a drop if I've ever heard one. <laughs> no. Excuse me? Jen, you will rue the day you just said my dad once ate my sister's biscuit when she was on her period. Sorry. You will rue that day, Jen. <laughs> if anybody wants a ringtone, Welcome. at Allison Rosen on Welcome Twitter. To Dining Room Studios. <laughs> Sorry, that was awful. What I meant was no. Popeye's biscuit. It was Popeye's, Popeye's biscuit. biscuit. And Spoiler then he alert. said when she got upset, oh, are you on your period? Oh, yeah. your dad was, is a therapist oh, yeah. who said this? Yeah, well, he's and learned. That, he's really learned. Yeah. Wow. Learned Never again. <laughs> Never again. Oh. I know. <laughs> All right. Sometimes on this show, I just feel the need to randomly apologize. And right now, I just want to say I'm sorry. Uh, but in regards to drop, I, I would like to say that this... This was something I didn't get to say on my last show, and I, I should have. But uh, Allison is such a tremendous sport about laughing at herself and me teasing her with the crazy things she said and her funny turns of phrases. Um, you know, when I this is a little inside baseball stuff, but when I play that uh, montage of her waffling and being indecisive and it's about six or seven different drops and I'll just sort of jump back and forth between them. You know, that's I've done that so many times that that's the sort of thing that, you know, if it wouldn't surprise me if somebody punched me in the face for <laughs> doing it that many times, like knock it off already. But she falls apart laughing at herself every time I play those things. I mean, when I did it on the, the very last episode, I mean, she was just she couldn't talk. She was laughing so <laughs> hard. So, um, you know, I have to give her full credit for for having a, an, a great sense of humor about herself. And, you know, letting me play her saying funny things back to her. And I think that that attitude, uh, her attitude and, and the way that she can take herself not serious, it attracts right. all the fans and all these great people. I mean, fans that support you and have been super nice to me, because um, I think many of us have met each other. I mean, again, I've met people from the West Coast. You know, we, we've it just really attracts all that stuff. And, and, and definitely it all stops with Allison because right. of who she is. And, uh, and right. I think that that really kind of buttons everything together really really yeah well. i mean think think about somebody you've met in life whether it's somebody you work with or a family member or something that cannot laugh at themselves can can never they just have to take themselves seriously all the right. time and they can't they can't slap their own forehead and go oh my god that's so me ah you know they're not people you want to hang around with no they really aren't they usually are the the quiet ones that people push away yeah yeah if you can laugh at yourself i think that's a tremendous personality trait well jeff I, I want to say thank you. I mean, you've covered, you've really covered the show. You've helped, you've helped me um, not sound like so much of a bozo. Um, and again, thank you so much for not only doing the show, but all the years you've helped Allison. You really are definitely part of the, the, the epic Thursday team that 
resonates in my heart and and definitely the show is still there and, and allison's show is great and i love all the new characters um or new people um but definitely it, it's an end of an error when you're moving on and we cannot wait to hear you on special patreon episodes um and i hope you are not a stranger well thank you you're too kind um yeah it's it's been really great working with allison and everybody else on the show and i've made so many friends through the show you know whether it's other people that have been guests or the fans and just it's it's been a really good experience and you know that's I think that's the way work should be in the in the best possible world is, you know, a place where you're happy and comfortable and doing good work and hang around with people you like. I think that's that's sort of the dream. But uh, but before we go, we should talk about how to cook Scrapple. Oh, right. Not to, not to run your show for you, but that was something we were going to talk about. <laughs> no, well, thank you for keeping me back on track. How you how how you like Scrapple and how. What is the right way or the best way to cook? Scrapple? So, okay, well, I'll um, I'll, I'll tell you what I think, and you can then you know interact and tell me if I'm doing it wrong or not. So, what I do is I grab that that nice gelatinous you know spam looking brick, and I will cut probably about a, a quarter inch of that thing off, put it mm-hmm. into a pan with um with no butter. I don't put any oil in there because it has its own juices like duck right. fat, if you will. Right. Let that fry. It's got to get really crusty, almost toasty crusty. Right. And then flip it. And you can always tell you haven't cut it big enough. If you flip it and it breaks in half, you know you haven't right. done it right. right. So then you get that all cranked out. If you have a side of hash brown, that's always good too. Um, put mm-hmm. it on your plate. And then the only real sauce that I would put on there is fresh maple syrup. Preferably from New Hampshire, only because I'm in New Hampshire. Um, forget that Vermont stuff or that Maine stuff. Yeah. But real maple syrup. That's how I yep. eat it. How do you eat your scrapple, Jeff? I I grew up a thin to win guy, which was the <laughs> very thin piece about probably like you're saying about a quarter of an inch, maybe a little bit thicker, super crispy on the outside, but very thin inside. That's the way I grew up and it's great. But uh, I just thought that was the only way that you could do it. And then I believe at Golden Dawn, mm-hmm. that was when I saw the, the big brick of Scrapple where it's thicker. It's almost half an inch. Oh. And so you you still have to do it in the way I like it is crispy on the outside, you know. So very crispy on the outside, right. but a little bit more hot and uh, a little bit more material in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's my preferred way now. I, I like both, but you definitely have to get it crispy on the outside for sure. Right, because I think it holds in all the lips and butts. Right, you know what I mean. The other thing, right. I, 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 you know, I've never really seen, and they should have like a gourmet cookbook on Scrapple. But I almost mm-hmm. wonder if you do like eggs in a basket with Scrapple, where you cut a hole in the middle and put an egg in there. Oh, that's a good idea. Right, but but I do like your addition of maple syrup. I don't think that's a big thing in Pennsylvania, but that sounds awesome. I think that's a, I think that's a good way to go. And yeah, I I have to agree on the real maple syrup thing. I mean, that's one of the beauties of being an adult is that I can actually buy maple maple syrup instead of having to buy you know a pancake syrup which is just brown fructose uh, corn sugar exactly that's when you know you've made it in life when you can buy name brand kleenex versus sandpaper yep. or yep. real maple syrup yeah I, I definitely agree. um well I'll, I'll have to see if i can get this to you to post somewhere but i actually have a homemade scrapple recipe so if you're interested really? in making scrapple but you're afraid of hog anus uh you can make it yourself from scratch it's pretty easy and you when I make it, I just make it with pork chop. So it's, I know exactly Ooh. what meat's going in there, but I'm not scared of what's in Scrapple anyway. But it comes out largely the same. And I think, I know I wanted to try to make 
not vegetarian, but a, a version of Scrapple with no meat in it mm-hmm. with textured vegetable protein. Not because I have anything to prove, but because when I was making it, I realized so much of what you're tasting in there is really cornmeal and pepper, and I forget the other spice that's in there, maybe coriander. And I, I, when I was making it, I thought, you know, there's actually not a lot of pork flavor in here. I think you could make this with some fake meat substitute, and you would probably not know the difference because there's so many other spices in it. Yeah, I would agree. It's a, I would agree. It's a very muted pork flavor. Yeah, yeah. The, the spice is definitely. Um, I think they probably add some savoriness, but yeah, you don't you don't actually get a lot of pork flavor out of it, but it's fine. You'll have to share that to me because then I can add it. Maybe I'll add it to our show notes of the show. I'm happy to share. Let me ask you real quick. Do you have any projects that you can talk about that maybe some of the fans can continue to follow you outside of the show? Well, I actually do have my own podcast. I haven't done a new episode in, I think, three years, maybe <laughs> yeah. four. Yeah. So it's called Barracuda Radio, and you can get it through barracudaradio.com. There are subscription, all the typical subscription links there. I have one episode about half done. I have an idea for a segment in another one. And then I have another segment idea that I just came up with. So hopefully there'll be a new Barracuda radio at some point soon. But this was the thing that I figured out not too long after starting my own podcast was that if you are editing, first of all, nobody likes the sound of their own voice. Mm -hmm. So I tell that to clients and guests all the time when they hear themselves and they say do i sound like that And i said everybody hates the sound of their own voice it's just nature but when you spend your week editing podcasts the last thing you want to do on a friday or saturday is to edit your own podcast and have to listen to your own voice editing your podcast so that made it tough so hopefully i'll have the stomach to hear my own voice enough to edit another episode but um i'm heading to the bonneville salt flat races in july so i'm hoping to do something from there um, but yeah, I, I would like to get that, that show back up and running. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything new besides that. I'm working on the honeydew, which is Ryan Sickler's new podcast, Ryan Sickler from the crab feast. He started doing his own solo show. So I'm working on the honeydew and, uh, still Larry Miller. We're actually in our 10th season, if you can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Larry's been around for a long time and you have been, you know, uh, that's right. Cause I always, I think I always call you Colonel Jeff cause that's Colonel Jeff on Larry Miller's podcast, right? Right, right. And again, uh, a little inside baseball, uh, you know, a nickname I'm not attached to, but that <laughs> that just came about because Adam was doling out super obnoxious, condescending nicknames to everybody. And I luckily had avoided that. And then Larry started calling me Colonel Jeff. <laughs> and so I said, all right, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push this one so that it, you know, just takes all the air out of the room and I don't get some super insulting. Nickname. Well, plus coming from Larry, who's just such an awesome guy. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that you're kind of like that, he's pushing, you're like, all right, you know what, that takes, that could take some of the sting out of where it may have started, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't want to wind up with, well, I won't repeat them, but you, you know all of the, su- <laughs> the super condescending yes. names for on uh, Corolla show. So. Yeah, yeah, he's a... Luckily, yeah. I, luckily, I never got one of those. Oh, here, you know, here's here's a real quick question. Um, being a car guy, um, mm-hmm. which one do you prefer? Do you prefer the UK Top Gear, the US Top Gear, or Grand Tour? Oh, that's a good question. I I like them all. I'm this is the thing about car guys is that car guys are typically kind of fetishy. Mm-hmm. Sure. In that you think, oh, car guys, they like cars, but most car guys are very specific. That I I only like Toyotas from this year to that mm-hmm. year, and I only watch F1. I don't watch IndyCar. I only watch you know uh, super trucks. I don't watch NASCAR. Right. And 
I'm I'm kind of an equal opportunity guy. I like all cars. There's almost something there's something I can find that's interesting about almost every type of car. So I don't I don't really I don't, I don't really prefer one over the other. Um, the UK the UK Top Gear is a little weird in the way that, and I think this is a British thing because I think I've seen it on other shows, but. I think I've seen it on British Antiques Roadshow where they do a thing where the host is talking and then the crowd is behind them, mm-hmm. all kind of like leering at them like they're about to pounce on them and eat their carcass. <laughs> you know, where the audience is behind, you know, they're on camera and they're just standing there kind of going like, and I find that weird. I feel like, I feel like they're, yeah, it's just weird. It's just I, like I, I agree with crowd you. Out of pros, like waiting to. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's a little weird. But um, yeah, that that would be the tiebreaker if anything. But they're all good. They are, they are all they are all good, and they all kind of branch off. And uh, but you know, again, I, I had to I had to make sure I had asked a couple good car questions for you because I know some of the fans would be like like Lee Bruns would be going Jay, you had this opportunity to ask him a question <laughs> and you lost it. Do you have any Do you have any car projects that you currently work on? I know you know we're talking about going the um, Salt Flats. You know, do you have a, a car that you race? No, I don't do any racing. That's yeah, that's, uh, right. that's a little too intense and uh, expensive for my blood. <laughs> sure. Even even really cheap racing is actually super super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've n- I've never been a racer myself, but yeah, I like to go to car shows and just gawk at cars and do things like that. Thank you again, Jeff. Um, and again, thank you for giving me all this time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Jay. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, it's me, Lisa Lowry. I would be remiss if I did not talk about Jeff's last episode and Tony's first episode as producer. I want to talk about Jeff's last episode. I was super excited that I got my car read on his last episode. I sent in all Pennsylvania-related snacks. Allison picked Dippy Eggs. Colonel Jeff had never heard of these, which I was surprised about. But as uh, somebody tweeted that maybe it's... uh, regional somewhere in Pennsylvania. And as you all know, me and maps mm, don't know much about it. I know Pennsylvania is over there somewhere. And that's about all I know. Aside from that, I do know that Dippy Eggs, I grew up eating them. And my family's from somewhere in Pennsylvania. That's about that's about as far as it goes. But we did get to find out that Colonel Jeff makes a shoe fly pie. So uh, Colonel Jeff, the next time you're making shoe fly pie and want to, you know, want company. <laughs> okay, that's so I think Allison did a great job on Colonel Jeff's last day. She had the Tony takeover, a Greg Heller of a return. She was smart to have both of them there to soften the blow and kind of maybe make us forget that we're saying goodbye to Colonel Jeff until the end when he did say goodbye. And it was so heartfelt and very sweet. And it took me a little while to listen to this episode because I, I was in denial. And I don't know why it's hurting me more that Jeff's leaving more than... Al and Jenna, although that was pretty hard too, uh, because that, I mean, they were just like really the core of the show also. And it just kind of, it's all falling apart. <laughs> no, just kidding. But Allison always makes uh, a great show out of, uh, the fallen pieces, <laughs> but yep. Change is hard and it's the end of the legacy era and it's sad, but it'll be, it'll, it'll be good. Like it always is. Transitions suck, but eventually good always comes from change. Uh, we love you, Colonel Jeff, and we're going to miss you, and I hope you come back, and maybe, hmm, maybe you'll just come on this show. I mean, our schedule's over here, much more flexible, especially to make room for one Colonel Jeff. All right. All right. 
Hello, Allison Rosen. I thought we were going to have your personal trainer here today, too. He'll just ram some apples up my butt, and I don't want them. <laughs> Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the rest, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question, but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life. Hi, Allison Rosen. I'd like to apologize for being late. I ways fucked me on the way over here, and it, it kept making that annoying sound, and it just wouldn't stop. Ring, ring, ring. <laughs> so take the photographs and still frames in your mind. Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time. Tattoos and memories and skin on trial. For what it's worth, it was worth all the while. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. Uh, I don't know, it's a new setup. Can you hear me? Get all up in that. Oh, okay, there I am. Hey, Allison, how's your Memorial Day long weekend been? I have been real, uh, playing real fast and loose with the grooming. Hi, Allison. Uh, you'll forgive me, I'm a little bit gassy tonight, so... Such a huge part of my identity is being super entertained by farts. Hi, Allison. Any New Year's resolutions? Because I don't take shit from anyone anymore. That's my Clearly, new personality. Yeah. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. Hi, Allison. So were you super relaxed on your uh, island vacation? I was psycho. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. Hey, Allison. I know she didn't uh, set up a Christmas tree. It's just going to end up up my butt. Thank you, Allison. And uh, I know we're in a new setup, so if you could just do me a favor and just count to four in your microphone. One, two, shout, shout. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the Monday, June 17th episode. Christina Cosmic is a cheerleader for moms. Over the last year, I've recently started to discover YouTube personalities. Christina was not someone who had hit my video algorithm, but my impression after the episode was, she's kind of great. I love a guest who just wants to talk with Allison. Allison doesn't have to pull the stories from her. Christina has a spark, a positive outlook. She seems really cool. She grew up in Croatia. For those folks who are geographically deficient, not going to drop any names, Lisa, but Croatia is in Southern Europe, just east of Italy. Italy is that country that looks like a boot. Just know it's on Earth, and close enough to South Dakota as Maine is to Japan. So I hope that helps. It's hard not to be inspired by people who've picked themselves up when life has them down, and somehow they glow brighter. In addition to that, she was a single mother, and as people do, when you're down, they continued to try to break her spirit. But this woman, she survived. And I say survived because she was in a dark place, and her talk of considering suicide was both scary and understandable. The show had some great moments, like hearing her story of when she was in college, and as she was not originally from the U.S., she made me see how dumb the expression of, give it some elbow grease, seems to someone who had no idea what that term means. Stealing toilet paper from work. 
I had forgotten that I used to do this too. When I had my first apartment, I used to take toilet paper from work, but I never told anyone. So I have to wonder, both Allison and Christina told their employers, I never did and I didn't really feel guilty about it. Am I a monster? To close out this episode, Christina was an open book. Being a guy, I don't really understand the logistics of accidentally plugging in two tampons, but she owned it and I was like, okay, moving on. I watched a few of her YouTube videos and although all of them, in my opinion, including the pro dads episode are really geared towards women and that's her demographic. Overall, she brings a positive message and I kind of wish we had someone like that for guys. If you're a man with the best intentions, working your butt off to be the greatest dad you can possibly be, and your wife just doesn't appreciate you, here's my Father's Day gift to you. Take a photo of her face, tape it right here on the screen, and enjoy this apology from her. I'm sorry that we bought the lies our society has sold us about you being an incompetent parent. You're not. I'm sorry that we're so annoying and anal about having things done exactly our way, because obviously our way is the only right way. God forbid you don't stack the throw pillows or the stuffed animals exactly how we like them done. Or that you comb our daughter's hair on the left side instead of the right side when the right side is obviously the right way. Or that you let our children stay up seven whole minutes past the bedtime that we set for them. You're not doing anything wrong, dads. We are doing something wrong by being such freaking nitpicky control freaks. <sighs> Sorry. I apologize that we're so busy rolling our eyes at the small, unimportant things you're doing differently than us that we forget to focus our eyes on the unique, awesome relationship between you and our children. We are seriously so obnoxious sometimes. I'm sorry we hurt you by making you feel inferior as a parent and then later complaining that you don't take initiative in parenting. Hey, I wouldn't take initiative either if my spouse was constantly making rules for me and telling me my way of parenting was wrong. I'm sorry we talk about wanting to be a team. Aw, that's so cute and romantic. We're a team! Mutual respect! Yay! But then half the time, we just boss you around and treat you like another child we need to raise. Not okay. I'm sorry that sometimes our behavior towards you sends a message to our children, to our sons, that men are less capable of parenting. Ouch. And I'm sorry for that stupid saying, boys will be boys, because it so obviously implies that you have no control over your actions and you're completely weak. Don't buy into that crap. Dads, no matter what you've heard from people in your life or the media or society in general, don't ever ever for one second underestimate your importance in your child's life. And ladies, let's back off a little, shall we? Cheers to you dads, we love you. And finally, this past Thursday's episode, Allison messes up, Tony needs a name, and David does true crime. We were her little blackberry jam cakes sent in from Tamra Haddis, which is something I had to look up. It looks like a cake made out of jam and may have originated in the Kentucky, Tennessee area. Apparently there's something called the Kentucky jam cakes. It sounds like something I'd be into. 
So Tony came out of the gate and hit a few bumps. David was already screaming for Jeff to come back. The energy in the start of the show was just great. It was really funny. I really enjoyed it. After they get back on track, David starts to talk about his true crime obsession. And for somebody who just finished the cold podcast, and now I'm into man in the window, this made me feel more normal. It made me feel normal that uh, forensic files and Dateline are also part of my podcast feed. Speaking of which, did you guys know that Dateline's Keith Morrison is from Canada? Which part, you might wonder? Well, here's an interview from Kristen Bell. Yeah, that Kristen Bell, the one that played Anna in Frozen. What sequence of events brought you to Dateline? You grew up in... Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So, Tony needs a new name. I feel like a name will probably develop over time. Not a big fan of Teabag. But if I was to pick, I would probably grab Tony the producer. You know why? Because uh, he fixes stuff. You know, that's really the best uh, mob accent I can do. I'm sure DQ doesn't always feel so great when him and Allison start talking about relationship things, but I'll be honest with you. I think DQ just needs a big old bro hug. And quite frankly, Allison is totally normal. I don't know if they ever stop and think that they just moved into a brand new house, still under construction, and had a second baby. I mean, their lives right now are chaotic. And I don't blame anybody for forgetting some stuff or being overwhelmed. I mean, it is a phase in your life that just happens to be going on at the moment. So DQ, listen, everybody goes through this. There's nothing wrong with you. End of story. So when I heard that Renee was on Brene Brown, I had to instantly go out to YouTube and find the footage. The way that she explained it, I thought she was playing a bigger role. She was only in there for maybe half a second. It was just a reaction shot. She didn't look bad. I I think Renee is just really hard on herself. Now, I did not listen to the Patreon episode with Renee, but uh, I get that opinion that, or I get that feeling that she is really hard on herself. And I think us as fans have just got to keep that love coming to her and uh, hopefully that'll just melt away. So closing out this Thursday show, the gang talked a lot about relationships. And all I can say is, thank God I'm married, as I am no prize to live with. Even I know that. But I could not survive in today's dating environment, if you will. I am just too much of me. And there's a lot of me. So I don't envy anybody who is out right now, who's single, trying to find at least a friend to hang with. Because it just sounds awful. So, Tony's first episode, being producer solo, he did a great job. Uh, They were talking about that Tony needs a nickname and the studio needs a name. I feel like the studio's name is going to be pretty easy. It's going to be based on the fact that it's either the Shed Studio or the Backyard Studio or something of the like. But Tony's nickname, it's going to have to be organically made. It's You can't force a nickname. If we learned nothing from Seinfeld and George Costanza, we know you may want T-Bone, but you're going to get Coco. So it's just going to have to happen. You can't force it. And that being said... If it is going to be the Shed Studios or Backyard Studios, Tony, you're going to be the groundskeeper or Tony the gardener, which is super clever. Other than that, now that we're getting to know Tony a little bit more, we know he's a big Star Wars fan. So maybe he's going to be Jedi Tony or Rogue One Tony or Galaxy's Edge Tony, Stormtrooper Tony, 
Tony Strikes Back, TIE Fighter Tony. I don't know. I feel like I've gone on too far. It's about as far as I'm going to go into Star Wars nicknames. And and that was way too far as it was. But anyway, I'm sure we'll get a good nickname. Although I'm teabags. I can definitely get behind some teabags. I mean, get behind the nickname. Thanks, everybody. And that's my show. My name is Jay Inslee, and I am running for president. You can follow me on Twitter at J underscore Inslee. That is just the letter J. Or check me out on Instagram. It's spelled out J-A-Y-I-N-S-L-E-Y on Instagram. Thank you, Lisa, for giving me only five days notice to cover four shows, all of which I hadn't listened to as of the time of making the shows. You're just the best. I'll think of that next time I have an idea of hosting the show. If you're not a member already, but but really, let's let's face it, I mean, you're obviously a member. But still, go out and join the Best Friends Fancast Facebook group. And don't forget to follow Lisa and Raphael each week on Twitter at BFF and cast because it would like bf fancast at bff and cast i don't know I, normally i i just spilt my water in my pants this is really not a good way to end the show and don't forget to follow jenna kim jones and also at couple friends check them out they come with the show every single day and don't forget to follow allison rosen is your new best friend allison's monday and thursday shows are the best another big thanks to my guest jeff fox He really is a fox. So Lisa, step aside. Follow him on Twitter, at Colonel Jeff Fox. Dog goes woof, cat goes meow, bird goes tweet, and mouse goes squeak. Cow goes moo, the frog goes croak, and the elephant goes toot. Dogs say quack, and fish go blub, and the seal goes ow, ow, ow. But there's one sound that no one knows. What does the fox say? Suddenly you're standing still Your fur is red, so beautiful Like an angel in disguise But if you meet a friendly horse Will you communicate by more horse? More-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-o-
And I want to just say, again, thank you to everybody, everybody that's been guests on the show. And the fans, your fans are awesome. Uh, it was great meeting all of you at live shows and Allison events. And, uh, you know, I hope we stay all friends. Thank and I can't you, wait to Jeff. see you guys around. Yeah. Yeah. Good people. 